Well, welcome to this week's podcast of Live Transformed, episode number 73. This one is empowering. Mm. Wow. This is where this series has just come alive for me, that um, this understanding what Jesus went through during those three days. Three days. And those three nights. the world. But there, when he was down in the grave, what took place? What really happened? Those are the questions we are going to be talking about today. Also, uh, Jim's going to be speaking about uh, the different feasts that yeah. are are fulfilled through his death, burial, and resurrection. Piece of uh, feast of Passover, first fruits, unleavened bread. Uh, so many wonderful nuggets uh, will be shared in this podcast, and it's uh, this is a long play. Yeah. You know, so just you know, get some coffee, take oh. some time, listen. Uh, you know, take all it in the shifts way if you have to. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the end, it gets extremely practical for your life. I really believe there's some keys here for you that there. If they, if you have had circumstances that are screaming to you at your senses, and you've been giving attention to these circumstances that are stealing from you, um, something's going to happen today. You're going to find out what Jesus did to give you the kind of victory that you've been longing for. And for you and for me, just that whole element of choosing life. Yeah. I choose life. Yeah. And because of my choice, it's a it's a choice that brings action. So today, in in you know, as as you just invest in your own heart and life, I believe that it will be a tremendous invitation for you to again choose life, but to put new action of persuading your heart of his truth and reality. And also this Saturday, April 28th, it will be the... That's just a couple days uh, away. just a couple days away. If you're still interested, if you're free this Saturday, you can participate on the online class that Jim is holding. We're not part of it, but him and a great rabbi, they're doing conversations from the heart of God, one day Hebrew word study workshop, eight classes that they're going to do. Um, you can get all the details at livetransformed.com and you might want to sign up for that. Sounds pretty fun. Mm-hmm. All right, let's jump into today's conversation of episode number 73. Well, let's continue the conversation. Hey, Jim, Audrey, this is <laughs> episode <laughs> 73 already. What is going on? And how Ooh. come Jim is so good looking today? Uh, well, see, that, that, there's a biblical reason <laughs> Jim, for that. you are beautiful today. Uh, I'm see, feeling I ha- it. I have to agree because I... I, I <laughs> I looked in the mirror today and I realized I looked way better than I did yesterday. (laughs) But I also realized that there was a scriptural reason for it. Of course. And it's because the Bible says that God beautifies the meek with salvation. Okay. So God saves you from waking up ugly. (laughs) (laughs) So if you wake up with ugly, you tell them to go get saved. (laughs) You need to get saved today. If you don't like the way your spouse looks, pray pray with them for Jesus to... Uh, beautify every day with meekness and salvation you know what it's so funny i have this makeup i was just thinking about this morning i have this powder and the brand name big on the top says hello flawless (laughs) so it's like i actually been thinking about how awesome that is every day like wow well hello like if we're gonna say hello and then i realized now that this is a whole scriptural situation Oh this my is, goodness! This is prophecy makeup. Yeah, it's prophesying into me. Oh, you guys, right. you guys are really beautiful inside oh, and wow, out. thanks, Bob. And, 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 <laughs> remember, and here's here's the good thing about this is you ha- you you only have to be meek for this to work. You do not have to be humble. <laughs> oh, this is getting worse. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow, here we go. Well, let's here we go. Let's let's um let's let's continue the conversation. We'll we are. It. This is we what we're will doing. Get Bob, there. this is called a conversation. All right. We're continuing it. <laughs> Three days that change the world. Oh, you mean he wants oh, yeah. to get on topic. Yeah, we'll get okay. on topic. Three days that actually change the world. Yes. So we we've um we've come out of, you know, Easter season, <laughs> Resurrection Sunday, and I'm really glad that we're continuing, you know, just just to talk about this. I was really surprised just even in myself. It's just like, wow, that that just happened recently. But my mind is still, you know, uh working through mm-hmm. and life needs to be different yeah you know on this side of the cross life really does need to be different but mm-hmm. jim Absolutely. today let's talk about if jesus really did die which he did okay and if he really did spend three days three nights in the grave what happened during that time but then with tradition we're having a really difficult time counting out three we're trying, to three, to, sque- we're trying to squeeze three days into one and a half. Yeah. From a Friday night to a Sunday morning, how do you get three? And so these are the traditions that people just kind of glaze over yeah. and and really don't give a whole lot of attention to it. And they just want to, you know, let's, yeah. he's alive. But you what know, happened in those three days? And there's reasons why this is important. The reason isn't just to be right. You know, the, the reason good. is because of the breadth and depth of the grace of God working in us based on what we believe. You know, in the Greek New Testament, there are different words for truth. And one of the words for truth is a word where what you're saying is true, but it's not the complete truth. It doesn't mean you're lying. Okay. It's just, it's just not the, the complete truth. Mm-hmm. And then there is a word for truth. That says, you know, this is the complete truth. For example, you know, when it talks about the fact that Moses brought uh, uh, the law and Jesus brought grace and truth, you know, many people say, well, you see, so that's a rejection of the law. No, mm. no. That falls into the whole concept about Jesus fulfilling or bringing the law to its ultimate intention. Mm-hmm. And so when it says that Jesus is, uh, brought us grace and truth, what it's saying is the law was true. The law is still true. But it is not the full truth, because but because it, it only becomes the full truth when we when we understand it the way God intended it, which is what Jesus came to show us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So our faith, then, you know, we, faith is never blind. Faith is always based on what you perceive, know, you know, experience in God's word, uh, because you've heard it. And you, and you believed it. So this means when we hear a partial truth, it's not like we're being deceived per se. But when we hear a partial truth, we can only, or when I say hear, it's like whether we hear it or perceive it or understand it as partial truth, then we can only have faith in that truth to the degree that we perceive it. Right, of course. Which, which means then what that truth was intended to bring into our life is now limited to yes. the scope of our understanding, understanding. Mm-hmm. And, and our belief. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing about the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection, <clears throat> when you figure that the whole of our salvation, every aspect of what's supposed to happen, saved, healed, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected. For example, a person who never 
reads the scripture and discovers that physical and emotional healing was part of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Well, a person that never knows that is never going to believe for that. And so that means they're never going to probably experience the grace for to physical it. or right. emotional healing to manifest okay. in their life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so it doesn't mean that people are believing a lie. It means, just like the children of Israel, limited the Holy One of Israel, the, the psalmist said. We limit God to the degree that we know and, and believe the truth. So if you change, you, you know, number one, all of the all of the Old Testament, you know, the Apostle Paul, what Jesus said about himself, the Apostle Peter, everybody said he was in the grave for three days and three nights. Mm-hmm. Now, if they were preaching this, when they were preaching this to Jews, if this was not factual, then on that one point alone, they could have discredited Jesus. And you you can believe if he was only, after him saying he would be there for three days and three nights, basing that on what the scripture said, if it didn't happen for three days and three nights, he would be considered a false prophet. Right. Yeah. That's the evidence right there. Yeah. So that's, that's part of it. But then when you say, okay, he he was in the grave three days and three nights, and I'll explain a little bit about that, uh, you know, the timetable on that. Once we come to realize that, then that forces us to ask this question, then why did it take yes, three days and three exactly. nights? exactly. Mm-hmm. There must have been a reason. It must be significant. Exactly. So, so when I discover the reason behind that, I discover a, a wealth, a treasure trove mm. of truth that now adds to my salvation experience. Wow. What, what happens well, in that's life. exciting. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. So, you know, for, just from a just from a, a logistics or numerical point of view, let, let me just we'll mention this, and we'll we'll only stay on this as long as you guys want to. Okay. And, and, you know, I, you know, you know, basically whatever evolves from us that will help the people. Yeah. But you know, it talks about when Jesus going to the cross that this was the day of preparation for the Sabbath. So the immediate assumption is that it had to be Friday because the Sabbath was on Saturday. Mm. But the truth is, all holy days were called a Sabbath. In other words, there was, uh, there was the, the weekly Sabbath, but then there was the Sabbath of the Passover. There was the Sabbath ah. of, of the Day of Atonement. You know, any holy day was considered okay. a Sabbath. And I didn't know that. I presumed Sabbath was just that one day, that, or but, that, yeah, that, you know, that one set-apart day. And that's pretty much what we've, what we've been taught, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. So the day of preparation for the Sabbath, remember, Jesus is crucified not only on the exact day that the Passover lamb was crucified, but he was crucified at the exact hour that the Passover lamb yes. was crucified. Wow. So it couldn't have been the day of preparation for the weekly Sabbath. Mm-hmm. It had to be the day of preparation Pass- yeah. for the Passover. You know, for the day of Passover. Yes. And and, and we know Jesus' Passover lamb. We've got all the scriptures to back all of, all of that up. So so Jesus dies very he very probably was crucified on Wednesday afternoon. Okay. So see that would give you Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. Three that's three nights. Mm-hmm. And and remember uh, on Saturday at sundown 
was the beginning of the first day of the week. Mm-hmm. Yes. And see, we look at the first day of the week as beginning on Monday morning. That's right. The Jews looked at the first day of the week as beginning on Saturday, Saturday evening. Sundown. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so he's so he's in the grave Thursday, Friday, and Saturday uh, for at, at night, and in the and uh, so so you, when you calculate back from Wednesday, that comes up to three days and three nights. Mm. Now, when Jesus was raised up from the dead, he was raised up uh, on the feast. Of first fruits, which is very important because a feast of first fruits is a type of, of when the very first fruits of the year comes in. Because Jesus was the first fruit that would mm. that would be the first of many. Mm-hmm. So you know everything about this is filled with typology. Yes, yes, yes. You know, in the original Passover, huh. the blood, as we talked about last week or the week before, the blood symbolizes being delivered from wrath and 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 because the children of Israel if they put, if they use faith and trusted in the blood uh, they they were delivered from the wrath that was poured out on Egypt and Egypt is a type of the world by the way you, you want to hear a really interesting you guys are are dog dog owners and you know your your dog is we're a, dog like a, owners oh dog uh, owners I'm sorry <laughs> you dog on people I'm a dog right. owner so so you know you got you guys are your dog is a part of your family just like ours oh is, you know? yes well you know uh, the guy that I learned Hebrew from he he says that the original Hebrew word for dog is heart like yours that's what hmm. it means. Mm. And and you know we know that we know biblically that different animals there's some animals have a soul that is compatible with man, mm-hmm. and and some have a different Hebrew word for soul and it's not compatible with man. But according to Jewish history, uh, you you remember when Jesus was talking to the uh, was she a Phoenician woman or Canaanite woman, and she came to him you know seeking uh, I think a miracle for her, for her daughter. Or, Mm-hmm. And he said, "Is it right to give the, the the crumbs to the dogs?" Yes. Now, 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 we read that, and man, just you know, people just go out of their minds thinking. Well, yeah, because he's devaluing uh, her. Yeah. And you know, I won't go into all the little nuances of this, but basically, she she acknowledges she acknowledges that yes, and and she makes a reference to the fact that well, even the dogs got to eat the crumbs off of the table. Mm-hmm. Well, that that word crumbs is not really like crumbs, like something that's just spilled over. It's the same. It, it, Jesus said that in Aramaic, and it's a, it's the same word that would be used in the Old Testament for uh, when you would go out and 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 uh, glean your field. You know, you mm-hmm. know, pick all the your mm-hmm. crops. Yeah. You would leave anything that was dropped or left. You would leave it there for the poor. To come and glean and right. have and, and, and get their yeah leave the their, their provision mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and that's the same word for crumbs that is used to describe that food that's left behind. So she's saying she, she's she she's really coming out showing more biblical knowledge as a ah. Canaanite who is probably a, a Jewish convert more than likely. Yes. She knows more about God than. Those Pharisees that were standing around listening to this and argument. And he knows Jesus figures that out because of what so, she says. 
But, but here's what's interesting. See, when we think of a dog, we think of just, okay, that's just a big put down. According to Jewish history, the Egyptians kept dogs out always in, in the place where the Hebrew slaves were kept. Because if any of the Hebrew slaves tried to escape, the dogs would start barking. And this would, be, this would alert them that somebody was out moving around, maybe trying to slip away, and the guards could go catch them and drag them back into slavery. Mm. Well, according to Jewish history, on the preparation of the Passover, any of the, any of the meat that maybe got defiled by touching the ground or anything about the Passover that they couldn't use, they actually went outside and called the dogs and spoke to the dogs and said, we are leaving, don't warn our masters. And they fed the dogs the Hebrew word crumbs that were oh, that were left over gosh. or that had been somehow defiled. Yeah. And they fed the dogs what was what was left over. And all the Jews in the time of Jesus would have known that as part of their history. And, uh, huh, but this, I did this, not know that. This Canaanite woman, by the way, th that's what people will learn in this Hebrew class that we have. It's mm. just that kind of stuff, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, so that, that Canaanite woman, she was just invoking Scripture. Number one, the scriptural promise about the, the gleaning, the, the food left over for the gleaning, mm -hmm. and a, a scriptural example of what happened when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. Just a little, just a little, little note in there. And, and again... If, if my Hebrew teacher is right in that the, the original word for dog means a heart like yours, then you understand why dogs are so incredibly compatible hmm. with the human race. So hmm. anyhow, you jump from that. So wow. day of Passover, mm -hmm. even, even the animals are working with them to be able to get away. Mm -hmm. But we forget at the day of Passover that there was also, that was the, that was the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Right. Now, so the children of Israel are in, they are in Egypt, which is a type of the world. We are slaves to the world before we come to Jesus. We're mm -hmm. slaves to sin. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we talked about it last week about, you know, getting free from the law of sin and death doesn't mean that that law has gone away. It doesn't mean now I can sin and sin doesn't kill me. Right. What it means is I'm no longer a slave who has to sin. Right. I am no longer bound to the world system. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I can choose to be in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Well, see, when, here's the interesting thing about leaven. Leaven, most people think of leaven just as individual sins. I don't really think that's totally accurate based on the word and the way the word is used in both the Old and New Testaments. Because uh, the word evil, which has to do with anything that causes chaos, that causes disruption, that causes oppression, one of the interesting things about that word is also uh, the, the idea of malignancy. And so anything that's evil, the, the thing about evil, which evil is more than just an action, like I say, it's anything that brings oppression, anything mm -hmm. that brings chaos. It, 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 it can metastasize like a malignancy mm -hmm. that works through everything you believe. Mm -hmm. So leaven is about not just getting set free from individual sins. It's about getting set free from the entire concept 
of what they believed in Egypt, what they were taught mm, in Egypt. From a whole mindset. Yeah, and, and, and so, but, but so, so when Jesus was in the grave, he was also fulfilling part of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. I say part because the Feast of Unleavened Bread lasts, I believe, it's seven days. Mm-hmm. So there's that part of him breaking the power of sin, setting us free from the world. But then there's also that part where we deal with leaven by renewing our mind. So it's a two-part thing. So Jesus, he's the, he's the Passover. You know, he fulfills that. He's, he's the bread of life. And he provides the basis whereby we are capable of seeing God differently, uh, of understanding the parables, understanding his teaching, and, and, and renewing our minds so that we don't think that, that way anymore. But wow. in, that, in that space, of course, and, and you know, amazingly, and this is why I tell people, if we don't understand the feast, yes. we will not understand what Jesus really did for us. Right. The whole truth. That's how you started off this podcast. Right. The whole entire truth of what the significance of what is going on complete. here. It's yes, complete. It, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. This is this is something that these three days, you know, what was yep. prophesied through the feast is yep. now being completed. Because you've mentioned the feast of first fruits plus and the Passover, the feast of first fruits, and now the feast of unleavened bread. Yeah. So it's all so, happening at the same time. Yeah. And then of course. And one of the reasons, and Bob, when we first started talking about going this direction a couple of weeks ago, one of the things Bob said that was so kind of motivated me about this is that if people will will get their faith around what happened in the true Passover, the true Feast of Unleavened Bread, the true Feast of First Fruits, then we are prepared for the Feast of Pentecost. Right. And and if we're not if we don't deal with these other issues, then we are not ready to participate in Pentecost. Mm. And and so you know maybe we'll take this thing beyond you know the whole three days to change the world and get it get into the whole feast of Pentecost and what that mm-hmm. oh and what yes that has to we do with. will yeah oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> yes we will so stay tuned that's right so it's three days the Passover and all the way up to the beginning of the first day of the week, which would have been the Feast of First Fruits. And so Jesus is raised from the dead. And so the, the question then is, what is the significance of it taking three days and three nights? And what does, what does this add to my faith? What does this add to my victory? What does this change about my capacity to live in victory? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's, 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 that's the whole conversation today. And, and, and let me say, too, you know, when we talk about the whole truth, I, I like the fact that Bob kind of chimed in there and said, well, the, you know, uh, the completed Complete. truth. Yeah. Because when we say the words whole truth, our tendency is to think about, okay, I finally got it all. Hmm. You know, I finally got the whole picture. Man, you will never, we'll never no. get the whole picture no. of all this. <laughs> because the, the, the object or the concept here is not, having just having the whole truth in that we have all of the right information it's about truth being completed about hearing what we need for truth to actually begin to fulfill the the intention that god had when he spoke it for for it to have its completed work in me 
Exactly. You know, that, that process, that transformation, that change in me. me. Yeah. You see, I yeah. want, and that, and, and again, that's what's going to take the time. Yeah. That's, you know, and this is where I participate. This is where yeah. I involve myself with renewing my mind. This is where I engage. Absolutely. Um, I've had, uh, you know, so many, and this is where it gets uh, uh, difficult for me to be patient with people sometimes is that I, th- I thought it was done. I thought it was finished. I thought, you know, if, if Jesus really did, then why do I have to do anything? Yeah. And, and this is why, you know, the completed work, me participating with, he, he's made the way. He's... And, and when you think of leaven, I, you know, obviously with yeast, and it talks about always that working through the bread. I always think of that, this truth is working its way within mm-hmm. every fiber of yep. our mindsets, our yes. belief systems, and it takes time. We just have to give it that stillness and let it soak yep. in and work its way through. Yeah, because, you know, the biblical examples of leaven, there's a negative example of it. Yeah. Which is the more predominant. But there's a positive example that Jesus Jesus used, you know, about, mm-hmm. about when he was teaching about faith and t- talked about how it works through. And, and, and so the thing is, is, is this is a process that the, that the more I know the truth or, you know, the full truth, so to speak, then the more I can connect to God's intentions which means the more that will work through every part of my belief system, every part of how I look at the world, look at God, mm-hmm. under, understand life. So, so back to the, back to the okay, three, you know, if, if we accept the fact that he was there three days and three nights, yes, two, yes. Two, two, two major things comes up. Number one, and, and I always tell people, if you think learning that Jesus wasn't crucified on Friday, if you think just having that knowledge means anything, then you're missing the point. My, one of the one of the number one reasons I bring this out is first of all because I want to say to people, if you let religion get you where you can't count to three, then what else has religion gotten you to yeah, believe? Seriously, you know, and I'm not trying to be ugly or mean no. about it, but but it's like if I'm willing to give up something so basic as one, two, three, mm-hmm. then. What else has religion? Then how much has tradition and, yeah. and your how locked in are you that yeah. how you've been doing it is right? And I mean, in the last several weeks, we've been talking about how letting go of our an opinion is one of the most beautiful things that we can do is just to always be ready to to re- yeah. renew our minds and learn more and understand and be mm-hmm. teachable. Absolutely. So so we want to be very open open hearted with our open minded with our opinion. So you know when so you know you know one of the things that a statement that Paul makes, mm-hmm. and he makes it in several places, several different ways, but he talks about you know the fellowship of his suffering. Now, when I went to a denominational church, fellowship of his suffering really was part of their doctrine of teaching you that you were supposed to suffer, mm-hmm. which means they did not properly interpret or translate the word fellowship, and they did not make this have anything to do with sharing in the suffering that Jesus faced on the cross. See, if I don't share in his death on the cross, then I have no basis for faith that I am free from all of the, all of the curse of the law. Because mm-hmm. on the cross, 
he became all the curse of the law. He became mm-hmm. the he became the sickness that I deserve. He became the emotional wreck that I deserve. You know, and for me, you know, I was so crazy. You know, y'all know my story. You know, I was so crazy. It it wasn't just that I deserved that. I was that. I was crazy. Mm-hmm. I was an emotional wreck. I was mm-hmm. rotten to the bone with sickness and disease. When mm-hmm. you know, by the time I came to Jesus, and shouldn't be alive. I mean, absolutely shouldn't be alive today. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, if I don't, if I can't share in that and experience being all of that dying with him then i have no basis to believe that i'm free from any of it because where did it go if you know if jesus became my sin and he suffered all that i should have suffered then i've got to enter into an experience with him Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways to do that. We have a lot of meditation exercises to do right. this. You guys, and that's you know, have the fellowship of his suffering. Yeah, because the the word fellowship or koinonia comes from a word where 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 two people share in something that right. actually only belongs to one of them. Mm, okay, it's an equal sharing of something that belongs to one of them. legally to one person. Mm-hmm. So so if I share in his suffering on the cross, then that's the place where I'm letting go of it. I'm seeing him become my sin. I'm seeing him face the consequences, wow. which means when it gets into binding and loosing, mm-hmm. when it gets into my prayer life, you know, I can look at a pain or an emotional or physical pain or sickness or disease in my life. I can look at it and with absolute certainty know that I've got the right and the responsibility to say, no, right, Jesus took this you have no right yes in, in my life today because this is a this has already been paid for this is this has already been dealt with mm-hmm. but you know ultimately paul gets into fellowship about the resurrection but we can't get to the place of the resurrection until we've entered into the fellowship of his suffering on the cross but also what happened in the grave yeah so when jesus on the first day of the week and we referenced this back a, a program or two back. First day of the week, they go rushing to the grave. And uh, Mary goes and she sees a man that she thinks is the gardener. And she turns to him and says, where's his Where body? Yeah. And he says, uh, best I remember, he calls her by name. And she realizes it's him. Wow. And she, and she says, and he says this, Mary... Don't cling to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. Mm-hmm. And he said, go tell the disciples. Did he say to the disciples and Peter or disciples and uh, Thomas? Was, no, Peter. I can't remember. Peter. What was Peter? Yeah. He said, go tell, which is kind of interesting that he included him because of his denial. Correct. You know? mm-hmm. So go, go tell my disciples and Peter. Because he, by now, Peter was probably disqualifying himself as a disciple, more than likely. Yeah. He said, go tell them that I'm risen and I'm ascending to the Father. So we know from that statement that from, from the Passover, 3 a.m., I mean, 3, 3 p.m. in the afternoon, from the Passover... To, you know, to the first night, you know, first day, so forth. We know that all the way up to then, three days and three nights, he had not yet been to heaven. Mm-hmm. And so, 
Okay, where do we look then to find out where he was and the significance that that has? Now, there are all through, particularly the Psalms, uh, well, honestly, you know, the first prophecy in the Bible is in the Garden of Eden, and it's about Jesus' uh, Jesus' death because the, the, he strikes the serpent, and the serpent, you know, hits his heel, which kind of doesn't show permanent death, so to speak, but he strikes his head. And so, so we have the very first prophecy of the, of, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus right there in the garden. Mm-hmm. And then, then all, through, all through the Pentateuch, we have other prophecies that start narrowing it down, where he's coming from, whose bloodline he's coming from, you know, what tribe right. he's coming from. And then, and then the Psalms are full of what are called messianic prophecies. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, the book of Daniel. I mean, there's, a lot, there's messianic prophecies all through. But many of the messianic prophecies talk about a struggle of epic proportion that Jesus himself goes through. And, you know, every time I teach on this, I, I, I pretty much say, you know, we could go through dozens of these scriptures and, and, you know, like he talks about the bulls of Bashan around about him and, and you know, and, and like, like he's being attacked by wild animals. And, and you know, and, and then, of course, even in the Psalms where it says, you, you know, you shall not allow my body to suffer corruption. Now, see, that was one of the scriptures that you knew he couldn't be in the grave for more than three days because in three days was, was when putrefaction would set in. And, you know, we, we had all of these, we had all these scriptures about, you know, even about, him getting his side pierced mm-hmm. and none of his bones being broken and, and, and his clothes, you know, how they, how they cast lots for his garments. Mm-hmm. Have all of these incredibly detailed, detailed prophecies. Yes. But when it comes to what happens in the grave, I always like to use the story of Jonah because it is the mm-hmm. simplest to understand. Yes. yes. It presents the most comprehensive picture Mm-hmm. of what happened in the grave, mm-hmm. but also and also because of the fact that that was the last reference that Jesus made about what he would be doing in the grave. He says, he says you know, a, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, and he says, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. You know, and just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man. And so that was, that was the prophecy that he pointed to almost to say, if you want to get the clear picture, go here. Right. 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 So Jonah, we know in the book of Jonah that Jonah was cast out of the boat and he was swallowed up by a fish. Mm-hmm. And, and the book of Jonah then begins to talk about this is struggle. Now, imagine that you're a human being in the belly or the bowels of a fish and you have enough air to breathe somehow, but yet every, you know, everything else that that fish is swallowing is, is also floating around you. And, and, and he talks about how that he said, you know, he says, I went down to the depths of the mountains. You know, the bars were round about me. And it's, it's sort of like the moss wrapped around my head. And, but, but, but it's really interesting. He said, every time he would do that, he'd say, but I shall worship in your holy temple. He didn't say, I hope to. He said, I will. I, I will. will. Yeah. You know, I will worship in your holy temple. 
And so he's going through all of these things that depict the struggle that Jesus went through in the grave. Now, one of the places where religion, another many places where the religion has messed up the death, burial, and resurrection is, um, is it has been believed by multitudes that, that Satan was in hell tormenting Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Satan has not been to hell yet. He does, he's trying to stay away from hell. He has never been the prince of hell. Hell is a prison that he will spend eternity in, not a kingdom over which he will rule. Hmm. The battle that Jesus was struggling with was the in, in the grave was the battle of sin and death because he had become our sin. As we talked about last week, he had been alienated from God. He said those words himself, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. You know, Isaiah prophesied it and said, we esteemed him stricken and smitten of God. In other words, it was clear that, that what, to, however it happened, and there's no intellectual way to explain this. He's the son of God without sin, yet he becomes our sin and dies the death that we deserve. So on one level, and when I say this terminology, people just, their heads just blow up. But in, the, in a functional sense, the, only, the closest we can get to understanding this, even though this is not a perfect way to say it, is that Jesus basically died a sinner. Mm-hmm. Now, well, because he was carrying all of our sins. Yeah. You know, if he became our sin, then he's experiencing death on one as level a as a sinner. Yes. But on another level, because he is without sin, we, you know, we don't know how all of that comes together. But right. as far as understanding that the battle that he is fighting is this. I, you know, okay, I've got these promises from God. And these promises from God were about, you know, his victory, about him ruling and reigning as a king, about him, you know, his throne is a throne of righteousness. And, and uh, you know, all of these things that God says, and, you know, your body shall not see corruption. And so, but yet he's alienated from God, has no connection with God whatsoever, but he does have the truth. Right. Now, this is the model of how we are supposed to participate in resurrection life. And, ah. and, 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 and when we get over into talking about fellowship and with Jesus and, and fellowship of the cross and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. this becomes incredibly important. Again, if you don't get the, the picture of the struggle in the, grave, in the grave, in death, then you have no model for how we overcome all of the symptomatic uh, contradictions of the promises of God in our life. Okay. So we need to go through that model again. Now that you, now that we are, now that this has become our model, now we need to repeat that. We said that this is our model that we have. He had the promises of God. He had what God had said. Go ahead. Right. And so, so it's just like us. We're we're born again. Mm -hmm. We, we no longer have a sin nature. Right. But, because we are free will agents, we can think what we want to think. Okay. And that's why we have to renew our mind. Mm-hmm. So when we face any circumstance, any challenge, any, it doesn't matter if it's physical sickness. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's a struggle in our family. It doesn't matter if it's finances. It does not matter what it is. Our mind, through our five senses, is going to present the argument 
that this is reality and that God's word is not working. Right. And Jesus faced that, though, to the degree that he was, like I say, in this epic struggle. Yes. Now, Jonah 2.8, I love the way, I think the King James says it this way. I love the way the King James says it. It says, what did it say? About uh, abandoning your, let me, let me look this up. It won't, okay. it won't take me, but just a minute to do this. Because I, I want to say this just right. One, one of my problems is I learn, I read so many translations, I, I just sometimes forget. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, it says, um, it says uh, in the King James Version, Jonah 2, 8, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. He says, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving, and I will pay that which I have vowed because salvation is of the Lord. Hmm. And so he's saying, you know, he's saying, uh, you, you got these circumstances mm -hmm. that are going to be screaming at your senses. And of mm -hmm. course, you know, you know, we've learned this and we've talked about this on previous podcasts. You experience what what you give your attention to. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you're if you're giving your attention in the middle of all of this and all you're thinking about and all you're talking about is is all that's going wrong, then you are increasing your physiological, mental, and emotional capacity to experience the focus of your attention. Mm -hmm. If you focus on the pain, the pain gets worse. If you focus on uh, on the fear of the debt, then the fear gets worse. If you you know it doesn't matter whatever you focus on, you are because you're a free real agent created at the likeness and the image of God. Mm -hmm. You are designed to focus on whatever you choose. Or you're, you're, let me say, let me say another way. You're you're designed to experience whatever you focus on, and whatever you focus on is in fact a choice. I'm choosing that. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, I'm not choosing it. I'm just worrying. Well, but you have a choice as to whether or not you're going to worry. Mm -hmm. Now, understand that's harder for some people than it is for others. Mm -hmm. Some behavior patterns, you know, grow up in families that worry and talk mm -hmm. about problems. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, they've they've been programmed their whole life to focus on the problem. So, so mm -hmm. I understand that's easier. And for some, some personalities, it. it's easier too. Yeah, I get that. There's, exactly. Yes. So I'm not trying to put anybody down but because you got that struggle. Mm -hmm. But I am trying to say that whether you want to own it or not, you are choosing. See, just like when, when God said in Deuteronomy, he said, I'm giving you life, good, and blessings, or the choice, or you can choose death, the curse, and evil. And, and Deuteronomy 30. So, but, but he says it's your choice. So we look at that, and we would think of that as, well, of course I want life. No, no, mm -hmm. no. He didn't say to want it or to desire mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He said to choose it. Now, if, if, I, walk, if, if, I, if I walk downstairs and, and uh, Brenda says, here, I want, you to, I want you to go spend some time with me, and some, some good-looking woman pulls up in a vehicle and says, I really need for you to come and counsel me in private. Yeah. Now, the choice that I make determines which car I get in. Yes. It's not, it's not, see, choices are not static. They're dynamics. Choices bring actions. Mm -hmm. And so choosing life means not just that, okay, this is what I want. It's just, this is where I focus my attention. This, yes. is, this is where I, I point and, and create my direction. This is, yes. this is what I involve myself in. Yes. So Jesus 
chose to do what we have, the same thing that we have to do when there's a battle between our mind and our heart. Mm-hmm. He, had to, he had to choose life. He had to choose to focus all of his attention on the mercies of God instead of the lying vanities. And at some point in this three days and three nights, and we don't know exactly, you know, where, because there's, there, there's some possibilities of some other things that happened that, you know, that, that we're not sure on when they happened and that sort of thing. But we know that at whatever point Jesus' heart was fully convinced, mm-hmm. at that point, he was raised up in righteousness. That's when the resurrection happened. Yeah. Now, remember, the word righteous means as it should be. Right. So, see, if I'm sick, being raised up in righteousness is me being as I should be, and that is well. If I'm broke, being as I should be is prospered. See, see we, we have this very limited concept of righteousness, a very one-dimensional Yes. Uh, you know, fixation on just yes. on just the the moral factors, and, mm-hmm. and those are important factors. Mm-hmm. Because you know, if if I'm if I'm having a temptation to sin, then if if I'm gonna you know believe unto righteousness, then I'm gonna be as I should be. I'm gonna live above sin. I'm I'm gonna choose some. I'm gonna choose something else. So Jesus fought this battle, and at some point, he believed the truth fully in his heart. Yeah. And connect it to who who he really was. He would not give up his identity. Man, I, listen. Go. Everybody who's listening should go and read the second chapter of Jonah, and just think about it in terms of everything that he's describing is just metaphoric to the fact that I am I am in the bowels of the earth. I am cut off from God, which means he wasn't in paradise at that moment. You know, you know, many people will, will say where he said to, to the thief, I'll, I'll see you today in paradise. Many people take it and say, see, he just went straight to paradise. Well, no, he couldn't have gone straight to paradise if he died a sinner, if he was alienated from God when mm-hmm, he died. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I don't know, again, I, I don't know when that change flipped over. And then, and then, you know, many people look at the scripture where it says that, that you know, he led captivity captive. And it seems that that death that in in the realm of death there was there was the abode of the wicked the ones that had been cut off from god and and you know jesus even told the story it wasn't a parable it was a story about this great chasm between the mm-hmm. two and then on the other side was the bosom of abraham mm-hmm. because see prior to the resurrection people did not go immediately into the presence of god Jesus was the one that opened that way. And so we don't know if it happened at the, res- you know, at the resurrection. We don't know exactly when it happened. But at some point, he emptied out the, si- the, the part of Sheol that was the bosom of Abraham. Yes. And, and took those people, those people, those Old Testament saints, yes. to the presence of God. Yes. But... The bigger picture is not to get hung up in all of those theological factors. Those theological factors, yes, they have significance, but they don't have as much significance on us in our personal yes, victory. Exactly. They are they are important truths, but but they're not the truths that give us victory. But the so, rest, the, what you were just saying, is is extreme 
relevance to my personal life. Because oh, yeah. what you just said about Jesus, that the model that he had is so empowering because I know the promises of God. But at the point when I am fully convinced, that's when I get raised to this new level of living heaven exactly. on earth. Like that just completely empowers me that I have so much choice in this and I have so much. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, And, yeah. and Jesus operated in faith. Yes, he had to Absolutely. operate in faith. He, he totally did. And to choose life. Yeah. And yeah. this is this is really, really um, essential. It's yeah. so essential. So essential, you know, not just to our listeners, but just to the life of the believer. Yes. To recognize. You see, people, um, I hear, you know, Jesus identifies with my difficulty. And they, they reference the scripture, you know, he's familiar with my pain. So yep. so in his humanity, in his life that he lived here on earth, yeah, he, he he's familiar with the temptations, you know, in a very casual way. You know, yeah, he was tempted as I was, but without sin. But when we go to the death and his burial... You know the 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 struggle he had to go through the that whole that that thing. he yes. because he became my sin right but yet he held to the promise emotionally yeah. physically every he held to that the we promise have. and yes. and as you as you were saying there Jim that when that promise when when his faith became full mm-hmm. you know it was there. That the resurrection. That then, was when the supernatural miracle took place. He was when the right. resurrection yeah. took place. Yeah. See, we, it's we interesting, have, isn't it, Bob? Yeah. And I remember one time years ago, I had a Bible school student that challenged me on the concept of persuading your heart. Well, just just do a word study on the word persuade or persuade it, and you, you'd be amazed at how many times you find that. See, like Abraham. Remember, see, we operate on the level of truth that we have. Abraham got a call from God, and God gave him the end. I mean, God told him the end picture. Sure. Abraham didn't couldn't conceive that. He, I mean, he you know he got it on some level, but Abraham walked in enough faith to ultimately leave Ur of the Chaldees, you know, and so he walked in what he believed and trusted God for at that point, and you know, there's no condemnation for him from God that he limited what he really believed God. But see, but what he didn't believe God for yet was the supernatural birth of a son through which all of these promises would happen. Now, Abraham was about, if I remember correctly, wasn't he 75 when he, when, when he left Ur of the Chaldees? Yeah. Now, Abraham was 70, let's go, 75. Now, he has Isaac when he is, what, 100 years old? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100 years old. Isaac is about 17 years old when he offers Isaac. Now, when he takes Isaac up on that mountain and is, is ready to believe that if he kills him, that God will have to raise him up. Mm-hmm. Then, and, and the Hebrew points to this, that then the covenant was established. See, and, it's the and, same thing. He, yeah, was, and, he and, had to get to that point. Yeah. And see, in, in, in Romans 4, when it talks about Abraham, it says, and being fully persuaded, you know, he did thus and so. So, so we go through these stages of persuasion. Hmm. I'll tell you an example I use that may be a stretch, but I, but I like to use it because it preaches good. 
I like to I like to I like to use Peter whenever he walked on the water as an example. Mm-hmm. Because when Peter gets out of the boat, one of the things that's always jumped out at me is that he didn't sink all the way to the bottom. He just began to sink. <laughs> yeah. Now, to me, that's significant because, you know, we have this kind of you believe or you don't believe. Yeah. Ah, You're walking okay. or you're a rock on water. Okay. Right. He didn't just all of a sudden just turn into a rock and just go right to right. the bottom. Like he was just starting to sort of waver a little bit. Exactly. So, And the Bible says that he looked at the wind and the waves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's, Peter started limiting what he was trusting Jesus for. And he sunk to wow. the degree of his wow. unbelief. But... But the thing is, again, Jesus did not rebuke him for that. You know, Jesus grabbed him by the hand, rescued him. They got in a boat. Everything's all right. Yeah. And so, so you know, one of the messages people have to understand is this. You know, Jesus didn't get raised from the dead 10 minutes after he died. Listen, three days and three nights. This was a process. This was yeah. stages of persuasion for him. Exactly. Three days and three nights separate it from God in, in eternity. Uh, that, oh, that, that, we don't know. We just have no I may no as well have been 10,000 years. Right, right. You know what I mean? As far as experience goes. And so, you know, people are always saying, man, you know, I, 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 I've, I got an a, a, a email from somebody the other day. I'm, I'm going to write them. And they, they weren't complaining. I'm not criticizing this person. No, but they were just no. saying, man, my internal life has changed so much. Everything about, you know, I have peace now. But... I ain't healed, and I'm going mm-hmm. through some bad stuff. Why, why isn't mm-hmm. this happening? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I tell people, it's like, it's like you, Peter said it this way in the book of Peter. He said, you yeah. are receiving the goal or the end of your faith. You know, we, we might start out on this thing believing for peace. Ah. So even, our fa- even though our faith is believing the end from the beginning, we're still, there's part of us that's still walking through this, this pro- the stages yeah. of this process. So, you know, and I always tell people, it's like, look, peace is, peace is a great starting place. Or, or, you know, you may be where you are finally got victory over some sin, but, but you've got some issue in your life that you're struggling with. And, and the, the, the worst thing you can do is, is have vain faith. Vain faith is not dead faith. You know, dead faith is where you're not making the journey at all. Vain faith is where you believe in vain. It's where you actually start out in faith. You're making this journey. You mm-hmm, know, you've, mm-hmm. you've come miles. You're not the person you used to be. you yeah. got a thousand victories behind you, but you, get, you, you start focusing and obsessing so much about the victory you don't have that at some point you give up the victories that you have gained. Whoa. That's vain faith. Okay, that's a very good defi- definition. You start obsessing about the victory you don't have. You know, how many times does the Bible talk about enduring until the end? And, you know, Baptists turn that into an argument about once saved, always saved, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I- I'm like, uh, once saved, always saved. N- number one, nobody can theologically prove or disprove that. Because in reality, you, you don't know till you get there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. You know, <laughs> I, I, I was like, I was watching a movie. I was watching a movie uh, the other night. Really be? And, and this criminal had gotten shot or something. He was dying. And he said to this other guy, he says, he says, so do you still believe what the church teaches? 
and the other guy who had started compromising his his ethical yeah. life he said you know i don't know i'm struggling yeah. and the other guy says i am too he said i just don't want to do what you got to do to find out if they're right <laughs> <laughs> but but i'll tell you I, i've seen so many people mm-hmm. throw away such incredible victories like i say because there's some victory they they, they couldn't get because there's there one some... victory. Oh, and I I, I was <clears throat> in Saskatchewan speaking last weekend or a couple of weeks ago, and I said one of the things that robs us of our joy is obsessing on that one thing yeah. that you don't have, and that that's exactly what you're describing exactly. here. We we're just we're just letting go of all those things that God has provided miraculously, yeah. supernaturally. We've seen we've got stories after stories in our own life, and yet we're obsessing and choosing to focus on that one thing. Yep. that we think should have happened or we need to have. And that's that's where we got to take those scriptures. It we're steals talking about. our Hold, joy. Holding your faith firm to the end. Yeah. You know, staying confident till the end. Oh, so and what you're you know, focusing on in the middle, because yeah. it will steal your joy. Absolutely. You know, what's interesting is there are some, and, and I'm, I'm uncomfortable saying what I'm about to say. I'm going to say it. I'm, there's parts of it I don't ever really talk about publicly. Uh-huh. But to be honest, in my world travels, and there are certain incredibly miraculous things that every time I address them, it is miraculous. I mean, it's just like, bam. It's, you know, it's like to the extent that I have absolutely, I don't even blink my eye after I speak to this particular situation. I, there's nothing in me that has <laughs> that has any consideration that yes. it might not happen. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and it's the kind of stuff that you that you read about in the Bible, and you're like, "Oh my goodness," you know. But you know what? There, there's some battles that it's like I fight with and struggle with every day that I haven't won yet. And and I'm not going to obsess with those battles that I'm not winning. I'm going to keep celebrating the ones I do win to become a part of launching me into other victories. I am thoroughly enjoying this conversation, Audrey. Jim, you know, thank you so very, very much, but we do need to take a break and we will come back and we're going to continue here. Uh, I, I, Audrey, what's what's happening, I believe, in the heart of the listener, in, in my heart as well, I just am so appreciating taking a look mm-hmm. because what Jesus paid, not just what he paid, what he went through, mm-hmm. you know, and the enablement and the empowerment that he then brings to my life. Mm-hmm. Where I get to be different, and I can hold to hold to and cling to the promises of God and see them truly become mine. Yeah, I just want to say thank you. You know what, Jim? Thank you so much for getting through all this with us and all the background and getting through this. Just getting closer to the mm-hmm. completion of the truth behind this, because this is very applicable to my own life. This is very practical for me. Yeah. And I'm starting to feel like, okay, this is what it means to be in the fellowship mm-hmm. with Jesus. Yes, He did this. But that word, you know, that we're in fellowship with the one that it belongs to means that I did this with him, but I get to have the victory. And I think that's where we're going to go next is what actually the degree of victory that took place while Jesus was in the grave for three days and three nights. Yeah, he's going to cleanse. He's going to cleanse the Holy of Holies. Yes, he He is. He really is. All right. So listeners. But I need to be convinced. Listeners, we need to be convinced, fully convinced in the stages of persuasion. Right. 
And as well, listeners, I there are so many just golden nuggets in this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that Jim, you know, shared with each of us. Go back, listen to it. Be sure to share this series with others. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, give it a like, you know, uh, thumbs up, whatever that is, because that really does help in our ratings and our viewing. And then Audrey and I, we want to say a great thank you to all of our partners and friends, mm-hmm. you know, New Day Ministries uh, that financially invest. You know, this 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 takes time. This takes uh, resources. And those uh, listeners even who have uh, made donations, thank you so very much. We'll be back next week and we will uh, continue this conversation. Yeah, but before we go, I want to pray for you as our listener. Thank you. I just want to say to you, I'm so thankful you're investing. What you're focusing on, just the mere fact that you're taking time to listen Mm -hmm. to these podcasts, say that you are focusing and setting your attention and your intention on on really the goodness of God, His promises, but even the depth of what your relationship with Him is. Like, I... The people that I feel closest to in this world are the ones that have gone through my most painful. They were there for me when it was the most painful, when it was um, when I feel like I only had maybe one or two friends in the mm-hmm. world, and those friends will always be so close to me. Well, I want to know what it means to have fellowship with Jesus when He went through this, the hardest time in His life. Mm-hmm. I want to be with Him in that, so that I understand Him, so I get right. Him in His pain and His and the depth of what He did. I want to be his friend on that level. I want to have fellowship on that level. So, Lord, I pray for my my dear friend who's listening to this. And, Lord, in those that one thing that they get obsessed with that they don't have, that one victory they don't have, mm. that's stealing their joy, I pray that they'll be able to send that away, not in a way that, that it's not going to happen, but let you hold that dream. If you've been holding a dream that has been just like, why isn't this one thing happening? Just it's too heavy for you sometimes to hold that dream. Why don't you just give that dream to Jesus and not throw it away or discard it, but say, Jesus, can you hold on to that dream for me? Because it's just weighs too much right now. Just and because I want to go ahead and focus on the things that you have done and enjoy the contentment and the flourishing that I have just because I'm a friend of God's. And so I'm going to let you hold that dream and that one thing that I don't understand. But yeah. now I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to enjoy life today. And I'm yeah. going to enjoy your peace, joy, and righteousness yeah. in the kingdom. And I'm going to enjoy the fact that you did receive victory. Yeah. And you did get yeah. that for me. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And as well, whatever the promise might be, again, don't allow circumstances to drive your life. But I want you to really hold to the promise. And this day, you might just need to mutter and say it again and again. Make a note, whatever it might be, but just begin to say, I believe. Mm-hmm. Just just believe, believe, and believe again mm-hmm. that his promises are true and they are for you. Yes. I believe. I believe. And just begin to persuade your heart. Yeah. Thank you so much. We love you, our friends. Mm-hmm. We are family together with you. And uh, we look forward to just spending this time again with each other on the next podcast. Yeah. Have a wonderful day.